Salwate Discipuli, and welcome again to another episode of Latin and Layman's. Today, um, got quite an extensive Q&A. I've compiled a bunch of questions from you guys, and I love answering whenever I can compile a bunch. So that's what we're going to be doing today. I also wanted to address, because I had quite a few of you reach out to me asking why I took down my podcast I had released on uh, Friday. And well, you know what, I'll probably re-release it. I'm just going to like leave it kind of, and that's a thing, like, you know how I've talked about podcasting for me has been this very cathartic thing. Um, yes, it's kind of like vocal and word journaling. And sometimes it just helps me work through things as well. And, you know, I'd been ruminating on that and it was a little bit of a spicy episode at parts. Um, and so, yeah, you know, sometimes I just kind of do those things or release them. I take them down. Sometimes I put them back up. Sometimes I take them down and I never put them back up. Um, because I just like to do, um, do it for myself. It's kind of like, you know, journaling, uh, when you write things down and you process through those things, uh, if those, um, you know, that have gone through extensive, um, I don't know, just kind of like therapy and, or like just self-discovery and or growth. Um, journaling is just such an important thing to do because it really takes you out of the moment of whatever you're dealing with and helps you process everything that's going on. So sometimes doing it vocally has me and then kind of listening to some of it. I don't really like listening to myself, so I don't really listen to my podcasts. Uh, but sometimes I will and just kind of like listen to, you know, myself and the things that I'm working through, because sometimes maybe you guys know people like this. I can sometimes be this kind of person where if I tend to talk about something that is going to get me heated, I tend to continue to talk about that, which allows me to just get more and more worked up about whatever I'm talking about, which is not good. That's just kind of like perpetuating and getting this kind of, well, we call it a positive feedback loop, but really it would be a negative feedback loop, just kind of like feeding more and more into that negativity. And then it kind of just, it's like <clears throat> when you put a microphone next to an amp and you get that kind of like that, and that's that positive feedback, but then you pull it away, you know, that the same thing here. Um, it kind of feeds off of itself in a way where it's just not um, conducive for, uh, well, I positive thinking, but it can help you because sometimes you just got to say stuff. You just got to, you just got to talk to people. You just got to air it out there. And you know, like, that's why I, um, I also ha have a counselor that I talk to. Um, I haven't been talking to her weekly at this point right now. I've just been so busy. So it's been bi-weekly, but, uh, you know, she's been amazing and, uh, having somebody to, to reach out to and being able to kind of like, you know, ask, from a third party perspective and ask them like objectively, like, Hey, this is what's up. This is what's going on. What do you think about it? And then them having a non-biased approach to it and then having, you know, it's something that you need a lot of the time. You, sometimes you don't want to ask your friends. Sometimes you don't want to ask the people that are going to actually just kind of like, um, reinforce what you already know or believe you want somebody that's going to challenge and, or just be a, a third party. A neutral perspective in that circumstance. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to address that. Maybe I'll put it back up. Maybe I won't. Um, thank you guys so much for supporting me. Those that did reach out to me and you're like, yo, rock on about all these job opportunities and everything like that. And yeah, you know what? I, I really appreciate that. Really do. Thank you guys to the nth degree. And so without further ado, before I actually 
dive into all these questions, I always have to remind y'all to support wherever you can at Spotify, Apple Podcast, Google Cast, uh, Pocket Cast, Audible, wherever you want to go. Would appreciate it. That being said, let's nix this, get on into the nitty gritty of the episode. And uh, yeah. Alrighty, my question, my first question from DeSniper. Uh, where did you start and develop your love for instruction and teaching? Well, thank you for the question. I think it really started for me, actually, when I was going to school at UPS, University of Puget Sound up in Washington. Um, during that time, when you're going to school at a liberal arts school, they require that you take a foreign language for two semesters. And uh, it was between Greek, Latin, and Arabic for me. I'd heard horror stories about Arabic, so I was kind of like, uh, you know what? Uh, let's do something new. Let's do Latin. Let's dive into it deep. And at first, like I tell my students, I sucked at it. I was It was a source of stress in my life. I had a, <laughs> I had, uh, I had a couple breakdowns with Latin, not going to lie. Um, objectively, I did. Like, pretty sure... Yeah, no, tears came. Yeah, for real. Like it was like, and that's just the stress bucket of a student I was and uh, kind of still am to this, but I've, I've relinquished a lot of that. Um, but um, after a while, I think through, you know, my effort and my hard work, my diligence, uh, I started to develop quite a knack for it. And with that knack, I, uh, at the time I was working in a coffee shop. Uh, I was the manager, basically, um, one of the leads, uh, at my coffee shop, uh, I was, I had been there for a long time. I loved, it was Oppenheimer Cafe. Sometimes I would pop on over to a, uh, another, uh, coffee shop that was a part of the whole subsidized thing within the school, um, called Diversions Cafe. Um, and, uh, I loved Oppenheimer because it was literally just like this glass dome that I worked in. I mean, it was hard, it was hard to do in the summertime sometimes when you felt like you were underneath a micro or magnifying glass, but, Man, like being up in the PNW, there was a lot of rain. And when it would rain, you just see the water kind of like, you know, just kind of spill over the top. And it felt very, it was cool. Anyways, and I, you know, that's, I love coffee. I love drinking coffee. I'm never going to treat coffee like a godlike nectar, like some of those weird, uh, uh, you know, I forgot even the word. What's the word I'm looking for? Um, I can't even think of it. You know, people that are like, snobby coffee snobs that's i think that's what it, anyways but yeah all those like oh that's right hipster all those hipster people that's the word i'm looking for <laughs> and uh all those people up there they just like treated it in such a way where i was like you guys look silly but you know what i still love coffee i still loved doing that but at the time i also um you know i decided to uh apply for a tutoring position, a Latin tutoring position. Um, and I can proudly say that I was the first subject tutor for Latin at University of Puget Sound. I don't know if they've ever had one since, but um, yeah, I remember I ended up getting the job. I started, you know, investing in my instruction that way. And it's kind of just been this sideline thing that's kind of like made its way into my scope more so like in front of me rather than kind of like in the periphery. And, um, yeah, you know, I just started to develop that. And, you know, like I always say, it's about putting in the reps and the more reps you put in, the better you get. And, uh, yeah. So <clears throat> there we go. Next question that we're going to have here. Um, this is from Adam here. 
what would you say is your faith system? And further, what is your relationship slash history with Christianity or religion? Um, great question. I appreciate this question. My, uh, what would I say my faith system is? Well, my faith system really is, uh, well, I think we, we have faith in just about anything that we do. And uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and just like, you know, expand, expound on that real quickly, because like at the end of the day, you know, like I wake up in the morning, you know, I, well, I put my head to, to the pillow at night and I, you know, I have faith. I, I expect myself to wake up in the morning, you know, my faith of flipping the switch, um, and, and expecting a light to turn on is an aspect of faith as well. I think that I carry faith and everybody does carry a, a semblance of faith throughout their life. Um, I'm speaking at, uh, with that secularly, um, because my faith system now really, you know, I, and I'll bridge into this relationship with, uh, Christianity or Christianity, Christianity, there you go, or religion, because, uh, uh, yeah, you know, I was, I was raised Catholic. I, um, you know, went through all of the sacraments to confirmation. I mean, whatever. And, um, and what I appreciated about my mom after that is that like, after I was confirmed, she kind of like sat me down, you know, my dad as well was very open and honest and was just like, you know, um, and especially my mom, she had said like, you know, I promised my mom that I would be, you know, I would get you guys through the, the, um, or I wouldn't get you, but I would introduce and immerse you in the Catholic faith and all the way up to confirmation. And now that that has happened, um, and my, my mom's mom died in a car accident when I was just about like, I was like two months old or something like that. So I don't really refer to her as my grandmother cause I didn't really know her, but I really wish I did because she sounds like she would have been an awesome, awesome grandma. Um, and yeah, but, um, that being said, uh, my mom just basically said like, you know, now that you've been confirmed, uh, I believe and trust that you can either continue into the faith, whether you feel like you align with it or not, or you can take aspects of it and you can go and search for what you truly, what truly resonates with you. Um, especially because at that time I was definitely going through a bit of a flux in my beliefs and my ideologies, because as a kid, you know, growing up in Santa Fe, like I pat myself on the back because I was surrounded by so many, you know, hip dippy liberal people that would, um, that would uh, challenge my faith. Even as a little kid, I remember this, like, like fighting for my faith and fighting for my faith in Jesus and, and God as uh, like a little middle schooler, just, you know, cause all these other kids would make fun of me for it. And, um, you know, at the time rock on little Liam, like I'm proud of myself for, for doing that and sticking to my guns. Um, that being said, I, we all change our minds and we grow throughout this life. And I don't really carry that, those same ideologies that I did as a kid. And the reason why is because, uh, you know, I ended up, uh, continue on in the Catholic faith. That's why I went to Catholic high school. Um, it's also because I wanted to be on the golf team and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, and I remember in my exit interview for, or exit like thing for, uh, high school as a senior, I remember talking to uh, our principal at the time, Mr. Govea. And I was like, you know what, Mr. Govea, I respect you so much. You're a rock and awesome dude. But I got to say that coming into St. Mike's, I was very religious and coming out, I'm coming out pretty agnostic. And the reason why I said that is because um, I 
first off was relentlessly bullied my first couple of years. Uh, I was the subject of all the uh, like the, the online bullying and all that kind of crap. And when it came to a head, I realized that the people, the quote unquote friends uh, that I had um, uh, relied on and trusted were the people that were actually the, the ones backstabbing me and creating fake Facebook profiles and talking to girls and and making me look really creepy. And it was just, and, and then all these other things, it was just like, it was, it was hard. It was hard. And then after a while, you know, I'm just here, um, starting to realize that all these people that are quote unquote religious were just hiding behind the guise of religion, um, to say that they're a good person when really they weren't. And uh, you know what? I'm a man of action. I really am. I've been a man of words and not of action in the past, and that is not who I am now. Maybe I might dip into it here or there, but at the end of the day, I'm not going to take you on your words. I'm going to take you on your the, the laurels, you know, what you've done, um, because at the end of the day, the people that uh, I was around that were religious were religious for the sake of saying that they were religious so that they could say that they were good people, you know, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to hide behind something because I know that I'm a good person for the sake of being a good person. And at the end of the day, my relationship kind of dwindled from Christianity. I don't see God as some sort of overarching dude in the sky. I think that that's a pretty silly, antiquated way of looking at it at this point. I do believe in Jesus. I believe that he was a historical figure, that we uh, have gleaned a lot of importance and significance of history, as well as just like, you know what? The dude was a rocking awesome guy. If everybody would just take a moment and realize that Jesus was the guy that was accepting all of the rejects of society, then we wouldn't be, um, we wouldn't be casting out the the people that don't fit into our trope right the people that are trans we would accept we would accept the people uh, are you know yeah why do we have such a problem with homosexuality it doesn't make much sense especially when we always talk about the establishment clause and the separation of church and state i would say that there is not really a separation of church and state if we were trying to legislate laws to bar people from marrying one another based on their um, sexual, sexual orientation. I think that that's ridiculous. Um, and I'm going to stand by that because I also like at the time I remember as a kid, um, I was having these things where, you know, I, my mom had a lot of, uh, gay friends that I thought were really awesome people. They were always so funny. And, um, and I, I, I was kind of ignorant to it at the time. You know, I was, a freshman, I was like 13 years old going through confirmation. And then also, you know, the aspect of abortion, which is a very contentious thing right now, but I am, I, and you know what, sorry, if you guys don't agree with me, that's okay. But I am very much pro-choice. A woman should have the autonomy to be able to do whatever they want with their bodies because dudes have the same thing. All right. You know what? Um, and I'm just, you know what? I will die on those hills because I believe in the human rights of everyone. I believe in everyone being seen for who they are. And you know what? I'm not really, you know, I remember having this thing and I remember like one of somebody that I respected so much in when I was going through confirmation, he told me this stupid little rhyme. He said, it's not Adam and Steve, it's Adam and Eve. And I was like, wow, that's just dumb. And then I talked to one of my, uh, somebody that I looked up to so, uh, um, so much, Monsignor Jerome, and I was talking to him about like my, 
the things that I was grappling with and how I, I, I did believe in pro-choice and all of these things. And I remember being told that, that I wasn't really a true Catholic if I believed those things. And I was like, you know what, you don't need to tell me what I am and what I'm not. And I'm going to do whatever I want because, uh, uh, F you. Uh, but not really, because I love Monsignor, and I still do, and I hope that he's doing very well wherever he's at in his life. But uh, but yeah, you know what? I just, my faith system now is the faith in myself, the faith in my morals, my ethics, the faith in the people around me that show up, um, the faith in the love that I see in this world still, even though there's a lot of uh, hate, there's a lot of anger. But uh, yeah, you know, I thought that I would expound on that. I know that I probably have some of my family, uh, the Connolly family, maybe listening to me. And I know that you guys have probably heard. Uh, this is why you guys have subscribed me to uh, recurring text messages from scripture things and whatnot. And uh, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. I know that you guys are worried about me not being saved. I know you are. And, the, and I, I think that that's such a beautiful thing. Um, but don't be scared um, and, because I'll be re reunited with you guys wherever it is and we'll all be loving one another and we'll be balls of energy or whatever we are um, in uh, divine reality or the afterlife or heaven or whatever you want to call it or the field of reeds or, you know, because at the end of the day, when you look at religion and you look at, you know, it, it overarchs throughout the entire world. It's anthropologic. It is human nature. It's amazing how we have all of these similar ideologies that have uh, expanded or that or they've come um, come to be across all of the world, um, kind of in different, like isolated scenarios, right? But at the end of the day, whether it be Islamic or Christianity or um, you know whatever, anything and everything, like most of the time. Uh, leaving uh, Satanism out of the 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 equation here, uh, and weird cults and Mormonism because uh, uh, I have my own thing about Mormonism that I won't get into because I lived in Utah for two and a half years, so I won't get into that. But um, we all kind of have the same same freaking end goal, guys. Don't we all want to get to the divine reality? Don't we all want to be reunited with the people that we love? Why are we all fighting? to imbue our own ideologies and say, you know what, you're wrong, I'm right. That's your ego, all right? Connolly family, realize that's kind of ego. Hello. <laughs> I think it's funny to like, I think we need to be more humble. Be more humble about it all. All right, I'm, 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 I'm rambling on that one. Let's get into the next one, which is also another one from Adam. I wanted to honor Adam here. He had a few questions for me, and uh, he's been very patient. So um, appreciate you, dude. Really do. And uh, all of – I'm going to look into the recording stuff because I also got that message about uh, uh, the recording and my S's being S here because I know, you know, after having, you know, gone from the whole – exercises i i really did i i i used to talk like this and i used to have a lift like it and i remember doing all those exercises and really just you know and that's kind of like you know why i speak and do all this speaking is because it helps me um also practice and be much more deliberate and aware of my speech that being said 
with your passion for the meaning and creation of words, how do you feel about God tasking Adam with naming all the animals in Genesis? Um, I'm going to be very uh, succinct about this. Uh, it's ideological. It's an ideological thing for me, in my opinion. Um, and when I mean ideological, uh, ideological, it thinks uh, like in reference to myths in Greek, Greek mythology, uh, they're all ideological myths. They explain the unexplainable. And um, a lot of the time we have these stories that kind of explain things. Um, it's kind of like words. Words help delineate um, things that are unexplainable. Like think about, you know, if we didn't have a word for God, how would we refer to God? That's why in uh, Islam, uh, they, a lot of the time they spelt Yahweh without any vowels is because they, you know, to pronounce Yahweh and to say his name was actually limiting the metaphysical to the physical, which is something that you don't want to do because God is beyond the physical, essentially. Um, so like another ideological myth, if I were to say it really quickly, you know, the reason why we have the name for the Aegean Sea is because Aegeus, the, uh, the father of uh, Theseus, cast himself into the ocean when he saw Theseus's, uh, um, his boat coming back from Crete after having fought the Minotaur. And Theseus was a little bit of a dummy dumb. He told his dad um, before he left that on his, his arrival back, if he was uh, flying a black flag, that meant he had perished in the, uh, the labyrinth. But if he was wearing or, or flying a white flag, that he had not perished. Unfortunately, Theseus was the dummy dumb that he was and forgot to change the flag. And upon docking, um, his dad saw that the boat was sailing a black flag. He therefore assumed that Theseus had perished. And out of the anguish and sadness that he had felt for the loss of his child, he cast himself into the ocean. And that is why we have that ocean between Turkey and Hungary and all that. Um, and uh Greece, you know, where all those Greek isles are and all that stuff, that small sea is the Aegean Sea. You know, another another ideological myth, in my opinion, would be Pandora's box. Pandora's box helps explain the, uh, the aspect of why this world is inundated with suffering and disease and famine and strife. Because before Pandora had released all those things into the world, the world was fancy-dancy, rainbows, lollipops, sunshine, and all that great stuff. So, you know, there you go. Um, I'm not trying to, and maybe you f might, f might find more significance through that. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that, you know, Adam probably had a rock and awesome way of delineating how he wanted to name these animals. And, uh, just like JK Rowling had a rock and awesome way of creating this entire immersive world with a bunch of different names for creatures and regions and factions and all this stuff because i love fancy very much i you know just shameless plug there um yeah you know that's that's what i think um and that's my understanding of it you know um that being said you do you next question we have here what have you learned about yourself recently what do you think about dating and relationships? This is from Hayden. Well, thank you very much. Those are kind of two separate questions. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I can do the both of those. I didn't realize I'd, I copied and pasted both those in there. But what have I learned in myself recently? Well, something that I continually learn about myself is that uh, I'm growing. 
And uh, it's like right now with like these job opportunities that I'm being given and like, you know, how I'm like really like fighting for myself and my worth and what I believe is what I'm, I, I'm worthy of. Um, and, uh, you know, talking to my higher ups in the way that I have, I mean, my, my dad was saying how he was like, yo, Liam, like you're brave. You're a bad a, I'm, I'm tr really trying not to cuss on this thing. You're a bad a dude. You're like the fact that like you go to your, your, your higher ups, you tell them what's going on. You're candid, uh, you know, it, you say, this is what's up. Other schools are reaching out to me. This is why it's happened, blah, blah, you know, takes a lot of gumption to do those things. And, um, sometimes I forget that I do have that gumption, but I know that I do. And I need to pat myself on the back more often. And so do you Hayden. And so do all of everybody else, including DeSniper and Adam and, uh, my other people that I'm going to be answering questions from, which is Samwise Gamgee, Snitches Get Stitches, Robert Jam and Lionel Messi. Uh, I'm assuming it's definitely not the actual Lionel Messi. Anyways, all you guys, give yourselves a pat on, pat on the back because where you're at now, you're weathering this life. This life can be hard. It is suffering, but it's also beautiful. And what do I think about dating and relationships? Well, right now, it's been pretty difficult. I think that um, dating and relationships in general, uh, post-COVID has been quite a bit of a different situation in general. In terms of relationships, um, you know, like I've expounded on before, you know, like I have relinquished the fact that I definitely am, you know, a hopeless romantic, you know, growing up, I definitely didn't think so. I was kind of like that guy, like, Man, you know, love is stupid and blah, blah, and this and that. And then, you know, I, I met the first love of my life and she introduced to me this concept of love. And then I learned what love was and I fell in love with love. And as you guys know, if you've fallen in love, you just become intoxicated and you understand why all these songs are written by lo about love, why all these poems are written about love, because it's all these authors, all these artists trying to understand and delineate what love is when nobody understands it. It is like, think about it. It's just like such an esoteric thing that we go through, but it is so like when it happens, it becomes uh, you, it's your whole life. And, um, and so, yeah, you know, uh, the, and each and every time that I've fallen in love, um, you know, they've been hard, they've been amazing. Um, and they've taught me a lot about myself in general. And, you know, like I tell everybody, you fall in love more than once. And those loves happen so differently from my first love to my second love to my third love. Um, you know, they all happen so differently. My first love was a friendship. My second love was a, a, a little bit of a different situation. My third was, it was like a dynamite. It was like light lightning. And it was like, yeah, I, it was like, it was like the moment when like we kissed and then like, it was like, yeah, I'm getting into it, I guess. And I remember like, I, I remember always telling her, I was like, I was like, I don't know. And always telling her friends too. It was like, you know, like the way that we met, like, and the reason we are so like in love is like the way that we fell in love was electric. And that's how I think about my third love. And, you know, my first was gradual. My second was sudden. My third was electric. 
I don't know what my fourth will be. And, uh, you know, I've, at least during the winter, you know, I was talking to my parents about this and I was like, you know, like, I really don't know. Like, it doesn't seem like people really want what I want anymore. Um, you know, there's a lot of this polyamory stuff right now and, you know, call me old fashioned, but I think when you bring uh, another person into the mix, when two people, it's already a dynamic thing. Like a relationship's already hard with two people. Bring another person into the mix. That sounds like chaos, in my opinion. It doesn't sound like, oh, I just have more love to give. I just got to give it. I, you know that. I, you know what? If you believe that, rock on. I, I, you know, I empower you to believe that. But uh, I don't think that I could ever find. I, I won't. I won't ever find myself in that situation because I know that I am not that kind of person. I know that if I, I want my par partner in crime, I want that person that is going to be with me um, as my ride or die. And I, as I say it always, I just want a chick that's going to bite the world with me. That's all I want. I want, I want someone that is sweet and kind and understanding and growth minded and smart and intellectual and down to go bikepacking with me all over the world. That's all I want. Thank you, Hayden, for your question. Number five, what is your spirit animal? Well, um, <laughs> I like this. Um, in the past, uh, when I was younger, <laughs> I used to jokingly say that uh, my spirit animal was Lana Del Rey. Uh, because I have such a massive crush on Lana Del Rey and like uh, everything a part of me when I was uh, in high school was Lana Del Rey. And it was also because I was trying to, um, it was actually my girlfriend also loved Lana Del Rey at the time. And uh, she imbued that love in me and I took it on to the nth degree. I don't know. But now when I think about my spirit animal, I think about... Uh, I don't know. A loyal dog. I'm a loyal dude. Like I will not, I, I will show up. I am dependable. I am reliable. I am trustworthy. I am honest. I am, I conduct my life with integrity. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, also to be a dog and to be petted whenever I wanted and to just be given food and live my life and naps all day sounds like a pretty easy life anyways short question there uh that was from a no name so uh thanks for your question no name uh next question is uh i see you're lifting tiktoks on occasion i'm a big lifter as well what's your body weight max deadlift squat and bench press um, all right. I like this. All right. I'll get into this Samwise Gamgee, uh, entertain my broy bro self a little bit here. Um, yeah. Uh, well, as of recent, I've lost uh, some weight. I'm trying to recalibrate right now because I've been cycling so much more. Um, but um, yeah, uh, as of recent, I weigh 135 pounds. I know that that's not a lot of weight. Um, and that's just because of my gut issues that I deal with, you know, like, like I've talked about in the past. Um, after having gotten sick back in 2015 and having 2015, 2016, having to take a medical leave of absence from university of Puget Sound. That's why I finished up my schooling at Utah state is because I had to take some time off in order to get healthy and 
Also, it was um, a lot of doctors giving me a lot of diagnoses where they were telling me that things didn't really add up. My symptomatology was um, didn't make any sense. They couldn't give me the diagnosis because of uh, no proven cases of such and such and such uh, in New Mexico at the time. So, you know, it was a lot of undiagnosed uh, things for a very long time until I finally got diagnosed and I got healthy and all that good stuff. But that being said, um, uh, my gut health can wax and wane. And like I've talked about in the past, like when I have my gut health in check and I am feeling good, um, you know, that's when I can put on size, I can put on weight, I can put on uh, weight on the, the bar as well. And it's just kind of like one of those things that, you know, that's why I talk about like, you know, I don't, all these people that want to extend their life is freaking stupid. I was, you know, like, uh, like this David Sinclair guy that I've heard about and like resveratrol and enamin and nicotinamide ribonucleic, you know, literally they're just like fancy dancy terms for like, uh, like a steroid out vitamin B12, essentially. That's what it is. Like, it's like, it's like taking a boatload of niacin. It's like, all right, take a boatload of niacin. You're going to start sweating. You're going to start feeling like you've got energy no matter what, you know, but, um, yeah, body weight 135. Um, my all-time max deadlift is actually 375, but I weighed around, I, I was like 145 at the time, I believe, when I did that. Um, I think I was close to 150. Um, my max squat was two, um, 255, 265. Gosh, it's been a while, 265. And then my bench press, because I've, you know, I've dislocated my shoulder so many times now that, you know, my right shoulder, I just sublux it all the, all the time. Uh, sublux meaning a partial dislocation because now I can actually uh, put it back into place myself. My dad has taught me how to do it. And just, you know, when you loosen up that joint, that, that ball and socket joint so much, um, it tends to just, you know, reoccur and pop out of the socket more and more and more. Uh, so, yeah, you know, uh, my max bench, I was able to get 185 once. Um, that's all I'm ever going to try and do. Um, and I won't go anymore. Um, that being said, I try to think of myself as like a strong guy for how, you know, my body weight is. Um, but, uh, but well, I ran through that recording here cause, uh, this, um, doing Spotify for, or podcasting, uh, for Spotify here. Um, it only does it in 30 minute segments, rather increments. But um, I think I just ran through that one, but I, I, I made it right to the very end. So uh, I, hopefully nothing got cut off with that squat, bench, and deadlift one. Um, anyways, next one. Are you an introvert or an uh, introvert or an extrovert? Well, intro, referring to intro meaning in or within, versus extro meaning out of. And then wert comes from wearsome, which means to turn. Um like when we were talking about uh, a conversation, con meaning with, wearsome means to turn, action, action of the action of turning with. That's what a conversation means, it turn, it turning with the thoughts and uh, things that you're saying with the other person that you are involved in the conversation with. Introvert means you are turning into oneself versus extrovert. You are turning out of oneself or turning out towards, you know, the world in order to gain your, your energy. And I think that I'm kind of like, you know, uh, I believe they call this an ambivert. It's where we get ambidextrous, ambi meaning on both sides, dexterous meaning right hand. Remember when, or if you guys have seen one of my recent TikToks, even though 
uh, my lapel mic crapped out for it. Dexter means right hand. Uh, this is where we get dexterous, dexterity. You know, um, if you guys play video games, you know that dexterity is something that you can, you know, add is a part of your, you can add into your thing, like with vitality or with stamina or with strength and this and that, you know, charisma. Um, and uh, so, so yeah, you, you blah. Uh, so I think I'm a little bit of both because I really am. I can't be extroverted, but I think that I, I hit a threshold of extroversion where I need to turn back into myself to kind of recoup, especially when I'm a teacher and when I'm having to give myself so clearly every single day. Sometimes it really is a phase that I'm having to put on and I'm not really ready for that day. And it just makes me more gassed by the end of the day. And sometimes I really need to just turn them into myself and my thoughts. And I really do appreciate my alone time. I spend a lot of time by myself and and I'm, I'm proud to say that I'm, I can do that comfortably. I know a lot of people that can't do that. And, um, and that's just their thing. I mean, like for myself, I, I consider myself, you know, think about it. You are going to be with yourself for the longest, uh, throughout this entire life. So you might as well become well acquainted with yourself and become yourself's best friend because you're going to be with yourself the longest throughout this life. Nobody else, but you. Next question, what qualities are important for you and a partner and how do you set boundaries in a relationship? Hmm, I think I actually kind of addressed this question when I was addressing the dating and relationships with Hayden here, but um, Robert, what I'll have to say that is important in my partner is that she's sweet, she's kind, she's understanding, she calls me out on my BS. Um, you know, I want a partner that like I said, it's going to bite the world with me. Um, yeah, I don't know. I want that partner. I want that partner in crime. You know, I want, I want, want my ride or die. Uh, Bonnie or Clyde, not really. I don't want the ending, but I want the ride or die part. All right. That's what I want. That's what I, and that's at the end of the day, hopefully that'll happen in my life. I don't know. I think it will. Sometimes I get discouraged because of what I said before and how I feel like not a lot of people really want those kinds of things. And I, I, I continually find myself in dating people and interacting with people that don't align as much with that kind of stuff. And it's weird because I'm in a culture here in, in Colorado where there's quite a bit of the far left and those people, like, that's the thing is like, I'm really, I'm socially liberal. Um, I'm really like, I can't, I can't date a, a like a super Christian girl. I, I just can't like, that's just not me. Um, but also like, that's kind of where I'm at here in Colorado. It's either I get one end of the spectrum, which, um, look at me like I'm some sort of like old soul. And then, uh, there's a bunch of really super white blonde conservative girls around here. And that's just also not my, um, jam either. Sorry, not sorry. I'm not really trying to uh, attack a group, but I'm just saying that's not really my thing. But how do I set healthy boundaries in a relationship? This has taken me a long time because I've been a pushover in relationships in my life and I've allowed a lot of things to cross my boundaries and I've allowed things and said okay to things in relationships where I inherently was not okay with them. 
And when I've done that in the past and I've reflected on it, that's when I create resentment towards that person in that relationship without ever addressing it fully. So maybe you'll do that too. If you allow those boundaries to be crossed, don't do it. Set expectations, set, not, not expectations, set those boundaries, let them know where you're at, what you want, what you need. And if they can't fulfill that, then move on. That's where I'm at now. Because before I used to be very much a person where I would just be enamored by that person. And I would be so Twitter pated by them that, uh, I would kind of be okay with whatever they did. And, um, and a lot of the time it was because I felt like if I said no, then they would think that I was insecure. So I would always say yes. And at the end of the day, that's not, um, you know, that's not who I am. That's not what I want. And I don't want to create resentment towards, um, you know, the future partner that I have in my life. Like I said, you know, she's going to be sweet. I've got to be sweet back. You know, I've got to be understanding. And, um, and, and and I think like, I always say like, love is not a, you know, in Latin, we have amor, which is love the noun, but we also have love amo amare, which can be conjugated amo amasamat amamasamatasamat as a verb, right? And I think that love is an action and should be seen more so as an action than a noun. Because it waxes and wanes, it changes, it becomes perfect to imperfect to future perfect to pluperfect to subjunctive to whatever indicative mood. I don't know. Sorry for the grammar stuff. That being said, thank you for your question, Robert. Next question from Jam. What do you think about the phrase, you're the, you're the sum of the five people you spend the most time with? Well, that's funny because uh, that makes me think of my mom and a quote that she used to tell me all the time. Um, she used to say, tell me who your friends are and I'll tell you who you are. And I think that those base, basically go hand in hand. Especially because... Um, like think about more severe cases, but think about alcoholics. What do they say about like when you're in recovery as an alcoholic, what are you trying to do? What do you, what do you, what first do you need to do? Well, you need to change your environment. You need to change the people that you interact with, right? Because probably the people that you're interacting with, the sum of the five people, are probably the people that are, you're drinking, you're drinking buddies. And, um, you, that's why you have to understand that the people that you surround yourself with are going to be the people that reinforce the habits and uh, the values and morals that you have in your life. Um, that's that's really where what it comes down to. Surround the, yourself with people that support you. Sub the derivation of the preposition in Latin sub meaning under porto portare meaning to carry. To carry from underneath is what support literally means etymologically in its true sense. Etymos means true sense. Ology means the study of. So the etymology of etymology is the study of the true sense. And in this case, words. So the true sense of the word support means to carry from underneath. And that's what I want is I want support from the people around me. I want them to prop me up because I've had people in my life and friendships that I've had where they beat me down in order to elevate their position. And that's not what I want. That's not the kind of person that I uh, am going to want to be associated with because that also comes back, you know, from setting healthy boundaries. You can set unhealthy boundaries in friendships as well. And that, that reminds me of friendships that I've had where, you know, I, they were popular people. Um, I thought that they were super cool. 
And I was like, oh my gosh, they, they want to be my friend. And I allowed them to kind of be very abusive with me a lot of the time, or just like they would kind of beat me down in order to elevate their position. And it just, you know, that's not what I want. Maybe some people like that kind of stuff. I don't like the sarcasm anymore. I don't like the banter. I like the, the playful banter on occasion, but you know, after a while it gets annoying and it's just not something that I'm going to deal with. Hopefully that answered your question, but that's really all I have to say about that because at the end of the day, you are the sum of the parts that you surround yourself with. Um, and uh, remember that, you know, it's like the food that you put in your body, the stimulus that you put in your brain, all these things make up who you are. It's kind of like thinking about all these crazy algorithms, you know, like, and how they start to recognize the things that you, you, you watch more so and look at and how you, um, yeah, you know, you, um, I lost my train of thought. That was super weird. It's how they kind of like, you know, they take everything that you're looking at and they kind of like curtail it and basically feed you more and more of what you are watching. Um, it's kind of the same thing in a way. What are you putting into your brain? Are you putting in healthy material? Or are you putting a bunch of, you know, digital garbage in there? Um, I don't know. Consider thinking about that. Last question that we're going to get into here from Lionel Messi is what, what was your perspective on mental health growing up versus now? Man, has it changed? Because I grew up uh, with a dad whom I love dearly, but he imbued uh, some qualities in me that I am trying to relinquish more and more and more, which I am. But, um, you know, being that Southern boy, you know, he was, he's all about, you know, shoving down stuff and, uh, he's gotten better about it. Um, can't say, uh, his, uh, his other, you know, family out in Arkansas would be similar. Um, but, you know, being honest and being, uh, well, all right. I'm, I'm getting off track because now I'm, I'm kind of speaking more towards the, the Arkansas economy. Sorry. What I, what I really am saying here is that my perspective growing up with mental health is that I really was just like, oh, you're sad? Think it away. That was my per perspective. Get out of it. You, you work through it, blah, blah, you know. Oh, just stop being sad. You know, I remember there was a really, a really something that is etched in my brain. I remember saying this to my brother. Because it, it was the first time he had been, it was after his first year of college. Um, and it was, um, and I had, I had gone through a really, a lot of really hard things uh, at the time. And I remember my brother was on some SSRI serotonin, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. That's what an antidepressant is. And, um, you know, I was talking to him about it and he was kind of being a pill. And I just decided to, you know, cut to the jugular. And I looked at my brother and I was like, you know, you really have nothing to be sad for in your life. I have more reasons to be sad than you and to be to, more, uh, to be depressed than you. And I remember looking at him like that. And I remember the look that he gave me was just like shock. And I truly believed it. I was like, you know what? You have nothing to be upset about. Like I've been through so much more hard crap than you, dude. Like stop whining like a little baby. Because really, I, I, I my freshman year of college was it, it was it was a hard it was a hard year. There were a lot of things that happened, and um, 
and yeah, things that I don't know if I'll ever talk about on this podcast. Maybe I will. I don't know. Um, but um, I remember having that perspective. And then, you know, and then I got sick. You know, about a year and a half, two years later, I got sick. And then, you know, here I am being sick, but uh, still not weighing the mental, just weighing the physical. But, you know, the more I started to feel the physical, the more I felt the mental the more I felt the hopelessness and, you know, how I was talking about how no doctors were able to diagnose me and give me a diagnosis or they refused to because there were no quote unquote cases of whatever I was dealing with, which I'm, I don't want to get into as well, but like, it was just, um, they said, uh, well, I'll get into it because they kind of gave me a bunch of loose diagnoses still, but they put me on a bunch of antibiotics. Um, it was a bunch of autoimmune disorders, uh, they, they were like, oh, Hashimoto's to uh, Lyme to uh, lupus and all of these other things. So I'm just kind of like this modge podge of uh, a walking autoimmune uh, mess, uh, essentially, is what they figured out. And uh, I was able to get better from it. But I still, on occasion, have uh, bouts where things flare up and uh, it makes my life pretty difficult. But that being said, um, I now see how mental health is just, it is health. It is holistically body, mind, soul. You know, if your body's not right, your mind's not right, your soul's not right. It is this cyclical thing because the more hopeless I felt, the more depressed I felt, the more sick I felt, the more isolated I became, the more sad I became, the more angry I became, the more woe is me I became. And it just became to feed into this negative feedback loop over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. I think that we're going to start to have, you know, how like there's so much about this gut health guaranteed in the next 20 years, it's all, it's going to be all about brain health, guaranteed, you know, and uh, we'll see. I like to speculate on the future and those things. With that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode and uh, gleaned some information from it. I really did. I love interacting with you guys. I love you got for you guys to have a little bit more perspective as to who I am as well, because uh, you know what? It's like when I am able to be a support for my students and I can show them like, hey, you know what? I'm a Latin teacher, but I'm also so much more for you guys. I really am. And when they trust me with certain things and uh, all that good stuff, it really means a lot. So it means a lot that you guys trust me with these things and to seek out some questions and, and, um, and, want, and for me to entertain those questions. So with that being said, I hope you guys have a wonderful day being May 14th, 2023. Tempo Sest to Sketeray.